Hey, everyone, and welcome to today's show. I am so excited because I have had an opportunity to actually spend a significant amount of time with my guest over the last, I think, month. We've had calls. I've gotten to know her in person. I was in New York last week. I was on her show at the iHeart Studios there, which was such a cool experience. And then I see yesterday that she is on my show today. And I'm like, yes, I can't get enough of this gal. She is salt of the earth. And you guys are going to soon understand exactly what I am saying. She's just somebody that's making such impact in the world. And her name is Grace Lovray. She is a finance wizard, an adventure enthusiast with over 50 years of asset management experience. She's the boss at Franger LLC and runs her own tax practice at GL Consulting LLC. Grace loves hopping on the entrepreneurial train as a board member for startups. We're going to go down that path too, where she gets to be a part of wild, get that everyone, wild, innovative ideas. But her heart this got me her heart truly belongs to children's education she co-founded the awesome edutech startup learn and that's not all graces also she does film and production she has a she's a studio partner she's a podcast host as i said i was on her show becoming the journey last week and has even dived in ready for this she is also an owner of the Brooklyn Dumpling Shop, which is an awesome dumpling place, and she has franchised it in Vancouver. Her superpower, if there really is one that we could say, is mentoring, mentoring young people on financial literacy and start to change the game on social inequality. This is so amazing and grace believes in a life with purpose and always paying it forward always paying it forward which is what we're going to be discussing it's not just about right this you know end destination it truly is the journey you're listening to the relaunch podcast and i'm your host hillary de caesar best-selling author speaker and transformational coach widely recognized in the worlds of neuropsychology and business launches, which cultivated the one and only 3HQ method, helping midlife women, yep, that's me too, rebuild a life of purpose, possibility, and inspiring business ventures. Each week, we'll be diving into the stories that brought upon the most inspirational relaunches while sharing the methods and the secrets that they learned along the way so that you too can have not just an ordinary relaunch, but an extraordinary relaunch. Grace, so excited to have you here and to dive more into all of the amazing things that you're doing. Thank you so much for that intro, Hillary. That was way beyond. And, and I thank you. I'm, I'm really kind of shy so that was you really mm. out a lot nothing shy about you girl right now because there's too many things that i want people to know that you're doing but one of the things that i really love to touch on especially because it's near and dear to my heart is this concept around you have had so many relaunches in your own life you have gone from careers that you're, you know, you've had this massive success in finance and finance illiteracy and the idea that how many people that are starting startups have that feeling, Grace, that ugh, because of when they were young, they were told girls aren't good with math. How do you feel about that? And what can people that are that are actually in their own company, they're CEO, they're an entrepreneur, and they are feeling a little gun shy about 
about finance and about running their business and scaling it and growing it? How do you how do you work with with these entrepreneurs? I mean, the first thing I I always think about is I need to be myself. Mm. Um, For the last 50 years, more than 50 years, I've been a woman in a man's world. It's still a testosterone world, Mm. the financial world. I've seen it all. Some I choose to not even talk about, but they have to be their own person. Mm. They have to follow their own path. They have to think about and process before they even start that journey, where they're, where they're coming from and where they want to go. And so you've, it's, it's sort of like raising a child because your company is your baby. And um, you're not going to force your child to start walking before they can walk. You're not going to put them in, in underwear before they're out of diapers or they want to be out of diapers. So it's the same thing I look at it with these young founders and entrepreneurs and even running my own business. You know, I, you always have to walk before you run. Mm-hmm. And that has got to be the best advice. Never feel you're a failure because every time you have a setback, that is just un, a rung up to success because without failures, we don't know what success is. Oh, did everyone hear that? Without failures, you don't know what success is. That's so true. And I always think about that, you know, statement that, you know, success is an accumulation of the failures that you listen to and the reason that you're now there. It's so good because people really do experience that where they think, oh, they have one big, massive thing that happens in their business. And they're like, all right, I guess this is a sign I I need to be done. And I think you and I both have known that, especially you got to get through it. You're learning the the path. Nobody, in fact, nobody that I have ever worked with, talked to has ever had that just here's the path. Now go and follow it. Right. Exactly. And it's never a straight path. And there's always different paths in between forks in the road. That's how we learn. And and. Quite frankly, I I did not start out from when I was young. I wanted to be a child psychologist. Hmm. Uh, That was my mission. That was my passion. And even when I started to work in the finance industry when I was 16, I was still in high school. And I got this job as a summer job just to have a job. And, and, And the whole time I wanted to be a child psychologist. And I had the most amazing mentor where I was working. She was, she took me under her wing, even though she knew I didn't want to be in the finance world. Uh, But she took me under her wing and she just supported me and taught me everything there. And just, she used my mind the way she thought it had the capability of being used. And so I had that to fall back on, not thinking I would ever have to, but Being in my third year of college, they gave me these case studies. I had five young children that I had to work with and had to visit the families. And I had to, and I could not, famous word, detach. I took everything home. I (laughs) cried. I was emotional. I could not put that mask on and be somebody I was not. And I realized, and that was my relaunch in my career, my true relaunch was to come to the decision that I was not going to be a child psychologist, that I would be in the finance world because I was I was seasoned by then. I had continued to work in the same uh, office mm-hmm. uh, all through high school and through college. And so, you know what's fascinating, Grace, and, and this happened last week as well. And the, the first conversation we ever had, how many parallels there are. I had somebody that took me under her wing and I thought I was going to be a doctor. Dad was a doctor. Grandfather's a doctor. I thought that's my that's my direction. And in college, I'm like, this is so not what I want to do. Called my dad and he's like, just make sure you're graduated in four years because your out of state tuition is way too much for a fifth. And it was great because I had this woman at Oracle 
take me under her wing and she said Hillary, your direction needs to be in financials and in manufacturing, selling these applications. And I remember thinking, and these were million dollar solutions for, you know, very large companies. And I remember thinking like, what am I doing? Like, how did I get here? But it was for 10 years, it was the best, best thing for me. But then But then things happened. And for me, it became this passion around startups. You've always had this passion as well around startups. Where did that, where did that come from? So in the beginning, no, because back in the day and considering I've been in this over 50 years, you can imagine how old I am. I mean, back in the day, again, it was a testosterone world. And mm-hmm. so it was hard to, but it was the the world of IPOs, you know, the, the bigger IPOs. And there weren't as many true startups today as there is today. And so I'm I'm more more lean towards the equity market, mm-hmm. uh, learning learning about these companies when they were, you know, on the circuit you know, for, for the IPO. And so that what was kind of where, but as I grew and, and I started to see some of these companies, the technology that was being developed, whether it be in tech or health or, or whatever you want to consider, it was, it amazed me that, you know, th- there was this creativeness out there that just so impressed me. And and a lot of them were impactful. Hmm. And I've always thought to myself, I need to have purpose. No matter what I do, I need to have purpose. And so in the last 10 years, I would say maybe a little bit more, I really started to look at the at these founders and don't think I haven't thrown a lot of it away. But there are some really good founders who have integrity and no ego. I will not deal with anybody with an ego. And they have that passion and they want to make a mark in the world. They want to make it a better place for the younger generation. And that's so not utilizing or not using that financial aspect of it. It's really become a, a passion of mine. So let's go back to that financial aspect. And there's a tremendous amount of people listening right now that are trying to scale their business and may not feel like they're very good at the financials. What do you recommend for those people in terms of what can they do to start to feel comfortable with it? And what should they really be focused on? The first thing I would suggest to them is never be that negative and think you can't deal with the financials. You need to approach it with a positive attitude that you can. And there is nothing wrong with reaching out, educating yourself in something you don't know. If there is something for as long as I've been in this field, I don't know everything. And believe me, and you know this for a fact, Hillary, there are terms out there now that boggle my brain, like, what does this mean? (laughs) And so, but I learn, I'm always learning. And that's what they need to do. One, they need to be positive about what they want to do and and how they want to do it. And reach out, reach out to people who've been there. I I give you a short story. I interviewed this uh, young girl and she went through, her passion was to be a pediatric gynecologist, which is unusual. Mm. And she she went to college and she was doing that. And while she was in college, they did this field trip, okay, this project with Rikers. And they worked with the inmates at Rikers doing jail to jobs. She absolutely loved it. Mm. And so she went to John Jay She got a degree in criminal psychology and she worked at Rikers with young, with women that were there to help them mainstream back in. And she loved it. And so 
you know, you can't. And, and, and I had someone say to me that listened to the show, I wish I would have, I wish they would have done that when I was in college because I went for a financial degree. And when I started working, I was working 80 hours a week. Nobody told me that. She said, I couldn't handle it. So, you know, take in as much as you can, whether you're in, I don't know if you have a high school student audience, high school, college, just learn it all. Don't just focus on one thing. Take it all in because you'd be surprised sometimes what you think you want is not really what you want. Oh, that's so true. And I have to say, I I can appreciate what you're saying because having told you that I was pre-med in college and then I'm switching over in the, really the only two degrees I could get in order to get out in four years were psychology and anthropology. So I went with psychology and when I got out, that's when I started to move into what I ended up doing for 10 years with, you know, high tech. Then I moved into helping people consulting with their businesses to scale it. But I always had this like fear that someone would find out that I didn't have a bunch of business classes. I didn't have the finance classes. So something I want to make sure that everyone hears, and I'd love your opinion on this, is that I went back and I actually took finance class. I took a course at um, Wharton School of, Muse of, of Business and ended up getting some of what I thought I needed. And then I realized none of it was relevant for what I was doing. None of it. But I had it now. I have those classes. But how do you get people to kind of realize that don't be embarrassed by what you don't have, especially if you're, you know, switching and doing something brand new, but embrace it? Because it's knowledge. Never be afraid of knowledge and learning, okay? But knowledge gives you the answers, okay? It's what those answers mean that give you wisdom. And that comes with experience. And that comes with being in it, being in the midst of it. So never, ever be afraid of asking somebody, I didn't understand that. Can you explain that to me? How many times, and I'm going to reach this to your audience, reach out to your audience, how many times you go to a doctor, okay, and they say, well, your results will be on the portal today with tech. Do you really go on that portal and say, oh, yeah, I understand all of this. This is great. No, <laughs> you're not a doctor, right. okay? If you, if you open up the hood of a car because your car is not working, it's not running, and you look in there, no, you don't know because that's not your expertise. Well, when you go to the mechanic, you'll say, so what is wrong with it? Hmm. That's not embarrassing. So why would you feel embarrassed or, or shy to ask the questions and reach out to someone who's experienced it, someone who's gone through it, someone who's there in the office with you? Yeah. Do it. There is nothing embarrassing about learning. Everyone, I hope you're hearing that. Right now, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to actually go into not just the not just the professional side of this incredible woman, but the personal side. So you don't want to miss this. This episode is brought to you by my very own Labor of Love, my most recent book, Relaunch. This book is a collection of my stories, other stories, and is a motivational guide to living a new 3HQ lifestyle, sparking your heart to ignite your life. It's available for purchase via Amazon. Get ready to try on the 3HQ method that I've been using for years throughout my entire life, reaching the next level in all areas, both professionally and personally. Get your copy today at www.therelaunchbook.com. Welcome back. And I am here with Grace Lovray. And I got to say, again, Grace, as you said, so many parallels in life that at the time, we may not even realize these intersections. But all of a sudden, when you're looking back, you're like, wow. And I talk about silver linings a lot where you are where you are. And would you ever change now anything about 
where you've been and what you've done, would you, would you ever change what's happened so far to you? Well, that's a, that's a rough one because yes. And it's, and it's not what's happened to me, Mm -hmm. but what's happened to the loved ones around me. If I could change that journey for them, I definitely would do that. But for me, even through the bad times, the bad times, the good times, it's made me who I am today. And I'm not finished. <laughs> I am sure that there are. No, you're not. <laughs> I look at life. At, we talk about relaunch. Okay. And and I look at relaunch as something you've done in your career and your business and you're relaunching yourself. But personally, I think it's different. I think you sort of do a rethink, a reset. Mm. And and it's there's not one just one aha moment that makes you do that. It's all moments. Every moment that happens in your life is a reset if you allow yourself to learn from it. And that's the important part is to take that moment, process it, mm. learn from it, and then show up the person that you want to be. Mm. And, and Grace, I know that from a professional perspective, you have so many irons in the fire. But personally, also, you've got a lot going on. And I know that when we were talking at the end of your last last week at, with your show, you brought something up because I had specifically asked you, I said, all right, I want you to tune in. And it's a process. Everyone knows that I do with almost every single person that ever I come in contact with. But I said, instead of, instead of the personal tune in, I said, give me something, give me something professional. And it was super interesting because at the end in opening up, you said, well, actually there's something really really impactful that's going on in my life. Do do you mind going there and sharing what's happening? I don't. You know, we again, I go back to the many moments in our lives and we've had amazing moments when you, the day you bear a child, you have your children and the day you graduate and these are great moments. We're never really prepared for the moments that are not so great, but I've gotten through it. What I what what I find myself and I've reset, I've relaunched, I've done all the work because I do the work. Mm-hmm. But how do you reset and relaunch, kn- knowing getting the news that your daughter has stage four metastatic cancer, and I'm I'm processing that. I am in the process stage right now, mm-hmm. but that probably is the most difficult thing. Mm-hmm. I've had to realize or face. So nothing, nothing behind me is, is as important anymore. It's, it's, it's not, it's just not, I've been there. I've done it. You want to call me successful? Fine. But this, this is something that is going to take time. Grace, how long ago did you find this out? So four years ago, she was diagnosed with triple negative metastatic breast cancer. Uh, she had a double mastectomy, 16 chemo treatments, six weeks of radiation, and that was it. And she got through it like a trooper. And then in December of last year, she was diagnosed with a brain tumor. It had metastasized to the brain. And I think that cut me down at the knees. I just... It, I was in shock. I was, I just, you know, you, you, you build that reset, you build all this hope and, and just, you know, but so she had surgery in December. They removed it. Uh, she had radiation. She was on a lot of medication. And then a month ago on May 30th, they found another lesion on the brain. So it's, it's a hard reset. I don't think I don't think I'm ready to I, I don't even know if I can learn from this. I don't know. Oh, you're deep in it. You're deep in it right you're now. Deep in it. And that's I want people to understand that 
you will be deep in things. And it doesn't mean that you have to pull yourself out of them instantaneously, process it, be, be in it, okay, understand it, and just support however you can and be vulnerable in it mm-hmm. because that's what makes us who we are. So it's interesting in hearing the story and my mom had a stage four colon cancer and had the big surgery. We thought, ah, we're on the right track. She had the chemo. And then uh, we had an experience actually in Las Vegas where we were listening to the fabulous Diana Ross on stage. And she came down from stage and came right up to my mom and started singing to her. And then the final song that she sang that night was, I Will Survive. And I thought for sure this was a sign. This was everything that I needed. This is the miracle, right? My mom had been living with me just during this time period where she was sick. And then a couple of weeks later, we go to the doctor and got the um, bad news that it had it had spread. And people often have asked me, and you said it so eloquently around, you know, we think that, you know, we're supposed to get through things very quickly, like, you know, positive thinking, keep, you know, you got to keep, but there has to be this time period that even as you're going through it, you give yourself using your name, the grace to, to be in the moment of it freaking sucks. Right. And so how do you having, you know, the, the, wisdom of the years that you have seen so many of the ups and downs in so many aspects of life, how do you do it? I think I I spend a lot of time talking to myself. Um, That's my go-to. And and that's how I sort things out. I, I sort of take a step back and become a third party in my own story. And and look in and say, okay, how would how would you advise somebody to do that? How would you tell somebody? How would you talk to somebody? And and it helps me to, and I go back to that same word process and and sort of do that that audit of yourself, where you are now, where where you should be, where you want to be, whether it's you know, emotional or physical or whatever it is you have to see the story Mm. and you have to put it into perspective and you have to process it. And anyone thinks that that's not the way to get through something. I, I, I don't know how else you would get through it. It's we talk, we talk a lot about tuning out. There's a lot of people in the world right now that are just, they tune out. Yeah. Because they, you know, it's much easier to regret than to act. And so they, they tune out, or they give it up to God. I mean, I've heard that many times, give it up to God. Um, but you can't, you, you can do that. I would never criticize anybody's faith, but it's real. And you've got to, you're here and you've got to get through it or not, but you at least spend the time processing it. I, so in, in the last four years, uh, my partner went through throat cancer. So for an entire year between radiation and chemo and patches, and he had a feeding tube, it was one year of just being there for him and, and, and getting through it. One month after he had the feeding tube removed and he was better, my daughter got diagnosed. So for two years straight, maybe more, two and a half years straight, I was in the throes of all this. And when it all kind of settled down a little bit, I knew I was not in a good place and I needed to find myself. So I got in my car and I took a nine hour drive from New York to to Canada. And that nine hour drive had to be, and there wasn't a mentor, there wasn't someone talking to me, nothing. I just chatted with myself. And that was the best nine hours I've had in, in a while. It it just brought me back. 
And so people need to do things that, you know, that help them. They need to be aware that there are many tools out there. It's not a one-stop shop. And, and, but just work at it, use the tools, work at them, show up as the person that you think you want to be. Uh, now, you and I are both fix-it type of women. Yes. We like fixing things. We go right into that fix-it mode. It probably has a lot to do with that we were in a man's world and what do they like to do? fix it, right? So with health, can't fix those things. No, no. And it's funny because my daughter reminded me of that. Like, you can't fix this. I can't fix it. She said, Mm -hmm. I can't fix it, mom. It is what it is. I can't control it. I can't fix it. And so she said, you know, it's the same thing. But as a parent, when you're raising kids, that's what we think. We're always going to get them out of trouble. We're always going to fix it. If they fall and scrape their knee, we can fix that. But as you get older, there are things you're absolutely correct that you cannot fix. I do have one one little piece of advice for someone. As you said, you're in a man's world and you never become one of the guys. <laughs> be yourself. I never stoop to that level where I wanted to be one of the guys to think that that's how I would fit in. I didn't do it. And, I'm you know, that's the same. Today. That's that's the same advice that my mom gave me. Yes. She started to see me harden a bit. And what she said is, Hillary, don't ever lose your softer side. Don't ever lose you and what makes you you. Right. And, it and was, you can get so much more with kindness, I don't think, and look, I'm not disparaging men in any way, but I don't think men can relate to kindness. And so they kind of take a step back, like, hmm, how do we figure this out? So just always be that kind, honest, maintain your integrity, never stoop to anything low to get anywhere you want to be. Well, As we move on, I want you to know that there are many people listening right now and energy is everywhere and prayers, positive energy towards your daughter, towards your family are coming out from all of the airwaves out there and YouTube and all the places that people are seeing this to really to impact her and to give her that light and love that she'll need to continue this this very personal journey. So thank you for for opening up about that. And as we continue, I know that you do have a passion for children. And you and I talked about this on your show. I do too. This is something I've done. I built a company around keeping kids safe online. But share with us, learn what what are you doing these days that is because when I when I talk about the G zone in your higher self, that best version of you, and you look at the G's, our growth, which we've discussed, gratitude, greatness. And and how do you now with this new project, what what will be great for you? What are you going towards? So I I speak on panels and I speak a lot about we need to start to reach out to our younger people, younger and younger. We can't wait until they're in high school and college because they're lost by then. And the pandemic has proven that. So children's education is extremely antiquated today. The schools need to. No doubt. Right. They need to step up to the plate. They need to teach differently. They need to allow these young people to interact uh, in learning, which which they don't. It's 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 not appealing for a teacher to stand in front of a classroom and read from a book. It just is not because because of the internet and the phone and iPads. It's it's instant gratification for these young people, and it's. And and it's it's everything is visual for them. That's how we need to start to learn. So learn does that. 
So Learn is partnered. It is a platform, a private platform that no one can pierce. It's not a TikTok. It's not a uh, Instagram. It's none of that. It's extremely private. And we are trying to get young people to go on this platform. And we've done it through teachers. So we've partnered with Partnership with Children, Calculus Roundtable, Native American schools, and their teachers are going on this platform with a lot of inner city kids, okay, and giving them the opportunity to learn by interacting and visualization. We we partnered with the London Museum because what the London Museum wants to do is they want to reach out to everyone because a lot of people can't afford to go to London and go to a museum. But imagine if we can go on a page, okay, and in 3D or even live and and learn, I'd give you a perfect example. Imagine learning a language and you would be surprised how many young people want to learn a language. They just do. I'm laughing because I just I ju- I've been trying to take Italian online with a teacher for a year, my husband and I, and we are we have not progressed very much. So, yes, people do want to learn languages. They want to learn a language. They they want to learn sign language. So imagine mm-hmm. going on Learn's platform and having a teacher teaching you French and in the same platform on the same page taking you into France, into the Louvre, into the Arc de Triomphe, and and visualize the words that you're learning in French and visualize everything. That is so cool. We do have to take a quick break. And when we come back, everyone, I think that Grace, having all of the different projects that she's working on, she is one of the most optimized time person I've ever met. I want her to help us understand how can you be involved in so many different things and actually be able to not feel like you have exhausted yourself. So we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by my very own Labor of Love, my most recent book, Relaunch. This book is a collection of my stories, other stories, and is a motivational guide to living a new 3HQ lifestyle, sparking your heart to ignite your life. It's available for purchase via Amazon. Get ready to try on the 3HQ method that I've been using for years throughout my entire life, reaching the next level in all areas, both professionally and personally. Get your copy today at www.therelaunchbook.com. Welcome back, everyone. I am here with Grace Lovray, and we are talking to and about all of the things that we can get our, our hands into. And how many times, everyone out there, raise your hand if you feel like I can hardly even just handle one thing How can I possibly bring on other opportunities? How do people like Tony Robbins have 30 plus companies that they're running? How does Oprah manage to do so much? Well, Grace has, as we've heard, has learned where she's deeply involved in children's education. She has the finance, she has the tax, she has all of these different businesses, but She's been able to add on, she has the film as well, but she's been able to just recently add on yet another that is completely, as far as I can remember you saying last week, out of your wheelhouse, dumplings. And I let Brooklyn dumplings, I believe it's called. Brooklyn so, dumpling. Yeah, help us understand, like if, if we're sitting here and we're feeling overwhelmed with just one thing, how do you... How do you help people understand about time management, about organizational management? So somehow I seem to think that it's a personality trait. I mean, not everybody can juggle five things. Not everybody can multitask. And there's nothing wrong with that. So the first thing I would say is being tuned to mm-hmm. what you think you're you're capable because if you can't give your are you best, saying are you saying tune in 
that's right everyone she's saying the tune in process <laughs> tune in just and know your capability because right. your capability is not the same as this guy or this person or that person but you want your capability to be your best so if you can only do three things then just do three things you don't have to compete with the next guy I'm a little different, I guess. I don't know. I've always been this way, even from young. Even in high school, I got involved in many clubs and drama and whatever, just because that's who I am. And But don't think for one minute there aren't times where I say, hey, take a step back because you're exhausted right now. And I do. I allow myself that that step back. But everything I do, all of these companies become a passion. <laughs> and when you have a passion, okay, and you're involved, truly involved, when you're making a difference, or you're making an impact, then it's easy for me anyway to devote this time to this and that time to that, but organization and structure somehow I think is inbred Mm. and you need to have that from young. So Simon Sinek uh, often says, you know, you got to get to your why. Why are you going to do something? Why are you going to take something on? And when you start talking about (laughs) <laughs> Let's just use the dumplings, the Brooklyn dumplings. Okay. What was what was the reason behind taking on that franchise that you that you went forward with in Vancouver? So there's two parts to that story. One is the franchise itself is sort of like a challenge to me because I needed a challenge <clears throat> uh, at this point. Just to I needed to just do something different. And this is totally different because it's one thing being on the board of a startup and being part of part of advising and and seeing seeing them. But you're not making you're not the creator. You're not. They are. This is absolutely hands on and something I've never done. I'm not going to say that the dumplings are amazing and anybody in New York or in Texas or just look them up, we're opening up many. So that was really why the Brooklyn Dumpling Shop. I just love the dumplings. Why Vancouver? Because one, it it gave me an opportunity to be the first international uh, franchisee for Mm. dumpling, which was sort of- Vancouver, Is Vancouver one of your favorite cities? It, it it is. I mean, New York will always be my love. Uh, right. I am a true New Yorker, but Vancouver is stunning. Mm, I and agree. I love it. Beautiful, and I have to tell you, for the many times I've been there, the people have been just so wonderful, just kind and nice. But in Vancouver, since I am, and I will tell you this, I am a, a U.S. citizen. Okay, mm-hmm. I try not to use the word capitalist, but. I am in a way Um, when I'm in Vancouver and I'm opening up these franchises, there is no way I am not going to give back to that community because they're welcoming me. I'm a U.S. person coming into their country, opening up a business. So my employees will all be Canadian. Um, A percentage of the profits will go to some community project, whether it's been, it's a woman's shelter or homeless or children's hospital, I will not be in Vancouver and not give back to the community. And let me ask you, let me ask you a quick question before you continue, because I've had this asked of me recently, when you talk about giving back on a percentage and especially being in finance the way you are, what do you think is kind of a, a good percentage for somebody to say, I'm going to give this amount back? So I think 1%, and I've talked to many authors who have written some really good books, and some of them give give back. I mean, I Mm -hmm. spoke to an author, wrote a book on climate, and she's giving back, you know, some of the proceeds to climate change. And so um, I don't think there's any one set formula. Mm -hmm. Um, 
me, I look, you know, I'm, I'm a startup. Technically, I'm the startup now. Um, right. So, you know, 1% of profits is where I'll start if we're killing mm. it. I, I don't mind, but you have to understand that even 1% of a profit given to a foundation or nonprofit is so appreciated. They don't care how much it is. That's they so just true. so appreciate that you're you're part of that community and you're giving back and you're helping. So that's the way I look at it. As you know, it is interesting. It. It, it is interesting that when we say we're doing so, I did book sales and I did it for breast cancer awareness uh, here in the local area, right? I thought that was super important. But then on a bigger scale um, with our our core signature course, the Fired Up Entrepreneur, that's where we donate to Charity Water. And when I was really evaluating, it became, I want to know how many people for X amount of money are we going to impact, right? So that's how I kind of, instead of the 1%, I looked at it like, I want to be able to do X amount. This is what I'm going for. So I, I really can appreciate how you have to really take a look at what are you trying to do? Exactly. It's really light you up. Whether it's a hundred dollars or a hundred thousand dollars, you're going to make an impact. Yeah. But it's the thought behind the fact that you're actually doing that. Yeah. It's really great. That, that's all that's part it. of the G zone, right? It's that gratitude. Right. It's it's like you're that's grateful. Mm. And that's where you move forward, you give back. Yeah. And and I don't think we do enough of that today, to be honest yeah. with you. And I am a huge proponent of mentoring. We need to mentor more. We need to have, I, I sat at a table at a high net worth conference of all these very wealthy people. And I proposed something to them. And I said, why don't we just all, every one of you, take one young person under your wing for six months and mentor them. How would that be? How would that look? And they all looked at me like I was crazy. And not one of them jumped on that bandwagon. And it's truly, it disappointed me. Because mm -hmm. imagine, imagine the snowball effect that would have if just someone like me, and I do, and you, or someone else, or a college student, or someone out of college getting in the job force, kind of took some young person under their wing and said, here's the good, here's the bad, here's the ugly. Imagine what that would do for society. And we mm. don't do that. We just don't do that. I think an easy way to do that for everyone listening and shout out to my Julia, my fabulous intern for the summer, have an intern, have somebody, but don't, don't necessarily pawn them off on somebody else in the company. Have ownership for that, for that impact that they are going for, for a summer, a summer internship. So easy place. Where else do you recommend uh, people go if they do want to start thinking about mentor, mentoring somebody? You know, that when I started my podcast, which is Becoming mm -hmm. the Journey, it, it was more the, the my guests were more guests that would actually have a story, uh, a journey that I was hoping would impact someone listening. Mm -hmm. And my goal was to start this challenge, this mentoring challenge, mm -hmm. and offer uh, these college kids to take one young person under their wing and mentor them for six months. And it hasn't come to pass yet, but... I think I am going to be able to do that on one of the projects I'm working on right now. But it, it's simple. Just anyone thinking that they've experienced something and, and we've all experienced something. Mm -hmm. And I want to tell you, you can learn from that. Yeah, I learn a lot from my I already am. It's incredible. She's got such great energy and she's taking the tune in process into colleges. That's what we're working on right now. Right. Love it. Okay, but wait, we are unfortunately almost out of time here. And I want to make sure that people can get access to you. How do they find you? Give us a little bit of those details. 
So you can find me on Instagram at Becoming the Journey at Instagram, and you can also uh, Becoming the Journey at Gmail uh, dot com. Um, I am on LinkedIn. Anyone that knows my name will find me on LinkedIn. Send me a message. I would be more than happy if you're young and you just want financial advice. I would be more than happy to give you any kind of financial, not advice, knowledge uh, that mm-hmm. you want. And I'm not charging you for it. So don't think, well, what am I going to pay? I love mentoring young people. I love to get them on the right journey. So, Ooh, okay. I love that. My three kids, two stepkids, they're all going to be calling you. <laughs> That's fine. They can do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, again, Grace, such a pleasure as we continue to get to know each other that much better. And I have such deep respect for you. I will have everything over in the show notes. And I am going to do a call out for those that are listening, for those that can make sure that you are spreading the relaunch love throughout your own community. Please go over to the relaunch podcast and give us a five-star review and share it with one person that you think that you can help impact along their specific paths because there are going to be those forks in the road and what we're hoping to do here is help people navigate those paths a little easier so for now everyone live now love now relaunch now and we'll see you next week take care thank you hillary you've just heard another episode of the relaunch podcast If something shared in this episode resonated with you, please head over to iTunes right now and leave us a five-star review and share this episode with others to inspire them to take the small steps that lead to a life full of purpose and possibility. And remember, you can have immediate access to the show notes and any giveaways at therelaunchco.com backslash podcast. Until next week, now is your time to relaunch your transition into a transformation.